Merry Christmas, all you ho-ho-hos out there. This is Austin with Foul Language. I just wanted to give you a little insight to this episode, episode 5.5-ish. Um, Alex was not in studio. We had Matthew in studio. Um, we've missed a little bit of time recently due to some technical difficulties, and unfortunately, we still experience them a little bit in this episode, um, but we want you guys to hear our content. We're ready to put it out. We got a lot of big things coming up for you guys, so we apologize for the inconvenience. Sometimes this audio does get a little echoey, but it's not terrible. Uh, we absolutely understand if, if um, you can't deal with that. Uh, that is on our end, and we promise we are going to get better. We are working on this. We thank you all so much. Enjoy this episode five, and have a Merry Christmas. Welcome back, all you sexy motherfuckers, to another episode of Foul Language. We apologize for the slight hiatus. Things happen, but we are back for episode five. We all experience technical difficulties sometimes so give us a break give us a little bit of a break we apologize this is actually episode 5.5 ish is what i'm calling it um we had some technical difficulties you know holidays are here merry christmas everybody um so we apologize we weren't able to publish our last episode. So if you are still here after all this time, we thank you so much. So let's get around to the meat of the table. Joining me, as always, setting across from me is... A- oh, wait a minute. That's not Alex. Is this Matt? Matthew Chapman's in the studio? In the studio. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? For those that have been keeping up thus far, I've been having to do this virtually, so to speak. But I am proud to say I am here in the studio and I'm ready to go. Let's do this. It's it's awesome to be able to actually make eye contact with you Very while nice. we're having these conversations. So I am so glad that you're here. And setting as always, to my left. Le- that seat's empty too. It is. There's some weird stuff going on. But Corey's still here. Hey, he's, still, here. he's still the long haired Adonis. He's here. He is just remote. He's not in DC though. I heard that he's somewhere in Tennessee, I think. I'm not going to give anything away. He's somewhere working on something big. Unfortunately, Alex wasn't able to join us. Uh, he, he is up to something. He's somewhere between here and there, and yep. he's got something real important going on. Agreed. Corey, I feel like I cut you short there. Go ahead and give your own introduction. It's, it's weird right. you not being here, not being able to see you. So go ahead and let everybody know that you're still a sexy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, like not being in a studio, and especially when Matthew's there the first time and. Man, it's just like we trade spots right there. But I know. I'm I'm glad to be here, Matthew. I see you have your Stefan Diggs jersey on. Um, I well, let me let me say this. Go ahead. Me and Ashley are extremely impatient when it comes to gift giving. True, because we love giving gifts. So uh-huh. it, it is uh, December twenty first. And I've already received all my Christmas gifts. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, there's there's no set way to do it. Everyone does Christmas differently. And I will say there there is a Stanley way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there is 
everyone else in the world. Right. Right. I'm not saying which one's right. I'm not saying which one's wrong. I'm thankful that you got all your Christmas presents early because we were matchy-matchy yesterday. We was. Ashley, shout out to you, my beautiful wife. Got me the best gift I could ever ask for. Uh, Tyreek Hill jersey. Shout out Tyreek. Pro bowler, by the way. Dolphins had three pro bowlers. Shout out X. Shout out T. Armsteady. And shout out the Cheetah. How in the world is Jalen Waddle not one though? Uh, they, I guess they just can't give it to two Dolphins wide receivers, even though they're two of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. And I'm wearing number two, number arguably. Two. Yeah, uh, Corey, it's been a while. Um, sickness has hit both of our households. Hope your young lady is doing well. How are you feeling? I know your weekend's been kind of stuffy, sinus puking, you know, ass water, things like that. <laughs> the ass water thing is probably the most accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's getting – we're both getting better, but, you know, it's just one of those things that keeps coming back. Well, you know, it is Christmas time. It's the gift that keeps on giving. That and hemorrhoids, from what I understand. <laughs> but with Christmas being right around the corner, let's talk a little bit – about Christmas food, okay? What, Matthew, is your favorite Christmas candy slash snack? You can only get it at Christmas time, though. Only at Christmas time? What about one that my family only makes at Christmas time? That's fine, because I know your mom's cooking. Your mom's cooking is delicious. Shout out to mom. It's the chest squares that she makes. What we call the snickle fritz. Snickle fritz. Oh, dude, it's so good. It's literally... If you can imagine vanilla, sugar, milk, vanilla, more sugar, a little bit of more milk, and then make it into a cake batter, and then barely cook the cake batter, and then make sure that the bottom crumbles and gets crusty just enough. It's 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 like um, and then add more sugar. It's like a mouthgasm. With more sugar. With more sugar, absolutely mouthgasm. Corey, what's your favorite mouthgasm of the holiday season? there's so many because I'm huge on sweets, but one that I never get other than around Thanksgiving and Christmas is oatmeal pie. If anyone's ever had that, it's really similar. What to are you pie. talking about? Oat, like an oatmeal cream pie? Like a little, like a, like a it's, tiny little Deborah? Well, no, it don't have cream. It's like a pecan pie, but with oatmeal and it's thinner and it's a little bit more crunchy. Dude, it is awesome. So is it like a little Debbie? No, it's like a homemade pie. Like it's oh, in a pie dish and everything. A little corn. No cream. Yes. Yeah, a little corn. A little corn cream. Pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we don't need none of that. <laughs> that's, so, that's where that's where bad things start happening. <laughs> so my personal favorite, shout out to Daphne Stanley. I know you're gonna be listening to this unfortunately just disregard all the things i say mom i apologize she makes these things right where she takes these peanut butter this peanut butter cookie dough okay turns it into a little ball and then she shoves a little reese cup down in it and then makes cookies oh my god two die four amazing two die four I'm, make I'm, it, make I'm it. Excited, up. just talking about it. Dude, I am. I am. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped up because prior to recording this, I um, 
you know, if you're keeping up with the foul language world, if you're keeping up with us on the YouTube channel, you know that we are breaking into a lot of different things. I'm not going to give anything away because I am so excited about the video that I just made. Um, but I pulled two cards, Matthew. You've seen it. You witnessed it. It's incredible. It, the two cards are unreal. And that's not even me hyping it up. Literally, this is not going to be clickbait. This is not going to be anything when it hits the YouTube channel. I'm thankful that we pulled it. I'm grateful. And it's, it's, it's such a, uh, we were talking to Alex, uh, God rest his soul, wherever he may be, I hope you're, <laughs> you know, stay safe out there, Alex. Stay you beautiful. Know. And I'll, yeah, you know, we need you back here in the studio, big guy. So we love you. Um, but you know, without giving anything away, like I said, it, it's, it's two cards we were talking to Alex that two. Uh, back to back, like the odds of pulling these cards are one in thousands, tens of thousands. And I pulled two back to back. It has like, to be an error. There's no has, way it has to yeah. be an error. So check that out. The video will be coming soon on the Foul Language Rips YouTube channel. We got some different playlists for different things. So go check out our playlist section. Go check us out on Instagram at Foul Language Rips, on Twitter at Foul Language, and right here on Spotify or Apple, wherever you find your podcast. Where I want to go next, I want to talk about the World Cup, Matthew. I want to talk about the World Cup final. I want to talk about a lot of things. And, Corey, I know you're not a huge soccer fan, but you're going to want to get in on this conversation because I've got some questions in this episode. My first question was the Christmas candy. Um, my second question, we're going to get around to in a minute. I got a little far ahead of myself. Just tell me to slow down. Tell me to calm down. Whoa. Whoa. And calm down. Right. Matthew. <laughs> Congratulations are in order to possibly the GOAT. Possibly. I mean, Pele is probably the GOAT, right? So congratulations to Leo Messi. That game was unbelievable. I've got a topic for you. Okay. What if Tyreek Hill played soccer? It would be... He'd outrun the ball. If he was... Okay, imagine if Tyreek Hill had Lionel trained Messi's, for soccer, Lionel Messi's footwork or Neymar's footwork and his speed yeah. that he has. With I think we can we can all say Tyreek Hill is faster. He's the than fastest Messi. man on earth. Yeah. I, who was the guy that competed in the U.S. Olympics? Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Who's faster? They've talked about racing before, and I don't know if it. Well, I know it's not Cheetah, but I. One side of it disagreed, like they didn't want any part of it. So, and he says that it's not because. I, I, but you got to think, Usain Bolt's—he's got to be pushing forty now. I don't think that's anything for speed, honestly. I mean, your tendons might start to be wearing down on you a little, but the dude was just pure speed. Let's see how how old how old is Usain Bolt? Now I'm interested in that because, like I said, they have talked about racing before, and I know Tyreek says that. 36. 36. Okay. 36. I was going to say, I remember his name became household when we were still in high school. Yeah. We were young. I mean, I, I, I truly believe that Tyreek Hill is the fastest. I don't think we know how fast Tyreek Hill is. I think yeah. watching that man run is literally, it's insane. 
how how does we're gonna get into the NFL in a minute because we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Let's my, do it. My, my number two question. What is the best, in your opinion, what is the best sporting event of all time? You know where I'm going with this. Tom Brady, 28 to 3 comeback in the Super Bowl. Okay. That is, I'll go ahead and give you my top five. I'll give you my top five. Number one. Tom, Tom Brady's, Brady's comeback. comeback. Never, Never seen anything at the, at the time until, you know, the Colts recently. <laughs> 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 Never <laughs> seen anything <laughs> like that at the time, time let alone in the Super Bowl. Bowl. With all, all the, the pressure, the world watching you. That, that man comes back 28-3 to three in the second half. Yeah. On the biggest stage in sports, arguably. Me personally, not to cut you off, no, no, but no, no, I, I, I feel like you're going to mention this, so I want to I want to get it in ahead of you. For me personally, the most memorable sporting event, obviously championships. I mean, most I feel like everybody would be a championship, you know, unless you witness the immaculate reception or you know things like that. The Miami Miracle in 2016, you remember that? No, uh, but. What was it 2005, 2006 Rose Bowl, Texas and USC, Vince Young? 06 Rose Bowl. 06 Rose Bowl. Vince Young playing at Texas, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush. The craziest thing about that game to me has always been if you were watching that football game, whether you were at home, you were in the stands, you were on the sideline, you were on the other side of the ball from him, you knew Vince Young was getting that ball, and they couldn't stop him. That's, That's how, how dominant that meant. Like, he was so fun to watch. That, that game, game alone will always stand out to me in my mind as potentially one of the greatest football games I've ever watched. You know, at that time, I was 11 years old, and I can tell you exactly where I was sitting in my house, where I was, what room I was in. I remember the TV clearly. Because, because that's, that's how clear, clear I remember Vince Young running into the end zone. Off the right side, off the right tackle. And they couldn't – everybody knew he was getting the ball. It was the greatest NIL college football game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, what about you, Corey? What's your favorite sporting event that you've ever personally got to witness? Uh, Y'all nailed two of them there, but – if I go a different route, different sport, I'm going to say uh, we talked about the other day, the Red Sox and Yankees series. That was a, a, what was that, the 03, series. 04? I uh, can't remember exact year, but, yeah, you're, it's right around there. But that whole that – was that's the best baseball series, in my opinion, ever. That I, I agree. Series. And, and I want to throw a wild teams. card out here, too. We're not, I, don't, I might catch some flack over this, but – uh, when Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant and won the Hell you know, championship. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows about that. <laughs> Corey, we talk a lot about the WWE. I know me and you are both. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, I still catch myself watching SmackDown and Raw sometimes just because the sheer entertainment. I mean, but nothing is ever going to beat the Attitude Era, the, the, the late 90s into the – even into the 2010s, that whole era of the WWE was some of the best wrestling you will ever see in your life. Yeah, that that is a jewel that I don't know if they'll ever be able to recreate. It's just between the the 
personalities of every person on the roster and what they had going with the crowd into it. And it's just, there's, there's nothing like hearing the pop that Stone Cold got when he came back after his hiatus. And it, just moments like that completely in wrestling with the Attitude Era was it, – it gave you chills just as much as watching a, a football game or it anything. Did. And, you know, so much of that was nostalgic for me and Alex. I mean, you see that Macho Man right there. Macho it. Man's in studio. No, it's it, – the WWE is very entertaining, and we will eventually have a – I'm working on some content for the WWE – uh, so we're going to have a segment on that coming up eventually. What I want to talk about now is a little bit more on a serious note. Um, we lost a damn good coach in Mike Leach. We did. That was very sad. No. It was very upsetting. Um, I know we're a little bit behind, but uh, still find it my place to say thank you for everything you've done for the sport, Coach Leach, and – Rest in peace. Matthew? I actually got something I want to say about that, and I guess this is a perfect time to bring it up. Um, w- one of my dad's best friends actually met Mike Leach in February of this year. Wow. Yeah, first time they were in an airport together, and they sat right across from each other, and they just started talking and talking, and he said that Mike Leach was the most down-to-earth man he's ever met. He was like, he didn't know me from Adam. He didn't know who I was. He was like, we talked. He we talked in the airport. He was like, when they when they met, it was as they were getting out of the plane. So they were leaving the airport. They talked in the airport. They got their baggage together. They left after that, and they ended up being in the same hotel. Wow! So they ended up drinking together in the hotel bar. And he said, before I knew it. I was partying at 4 a.m. with Mike Leach. That's he awesome. He's had some of the greatest stories ever. I got a second story for you. Too. Okay. My dad's, My dad's other best friend also met Mike Leach. This was like, like two or three years ago. And my dad's best friend's mom had passed away from breast cancer. Okay. Mike Leach's sister passed away. I believe it's his sister uh, also passed away from breast cancer. Mike Leach wrote a seven-page paper to a person that he didn't know about losing someone to breast cancer and how to deal with it. Wow. Uh, you, uh, you, and you hear stories like that. Everybody that knew him, you know, you, you, you see it online, you see it on social media, you see it on ESPN and SportsCenter. Everybody that knew the guy has the same thing. He was, he was a great, you know, even the locals there where he lived, he had his own bar stool. They said every time he'd come in and drink with everybody, like they say he was just like the most normal human being. Yeah. And a hell of a football coach. One hell Hell of a modern American. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, to be completely, you know, somber here for a second, he was one of those people that's gone too soon. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we're going to get to a little break here and uh, we're going to get into the thick of things. We got a lot to talk about. There was some weird shit that happened in the NFL this week. It was real weird. You know, we got a lot to talk about. We've missed a lot over the past couple of weeks. So stay tuned and we will be right back. Welcome back. It is great to be here. I know I've been saying that. 
but it feels so good to be back. Matthew, I'm so glad you're here in the studio. Corey, I wish you were here with us, but work happens. We're, we're giving you a we're, – we're, we're, we're fisting you in the air. We're air fisting you. Oh, God. Man, that could be painful. So let's just get right into it, guys. This was an absolute insane week. In the yeah. NFL. It's bizarre. So many weird things happened. <laughs> I mean, so much. And I want to start with Thursday night, the, the Thursday night game between San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, and, and I want to, you know, San Francisco wins 21 to 13. Brock Purdy goes in to Seattle, the loudest stadium in the NFL. And, and wins again on the road. Like, th- this, this, that's a tough place for anybody to go on the road and win, especially Mr. Irrelevant coming in in the last half of the season. And he's been playing like an absolute dog. 17 of 26, 217 yards and two touchdowns in this game. On the season, he's played three games, Matthew. He's thrown for 678 yards and six touchdowns. With one of the highest QB ratings in the league for those that have completed the minimum passing attempts. Right. That's unreal. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Is he another quarterback in the great scheme of Shanahan? We know he's a great coach. Okay. Is Brock Purdy the guy that he's been looking for? We thought it was Trey Lance, right? Is it still Trey Lance? Is it still Jimmy Garoppolo? That's what's crazy about this situation. I don't understand where you're supposed to go here if you're if you're Shanahan, because what if all three of these guys are healthy and ready to go next year? What do you do? And here's the thing. First, I'm not knocking Brock Purdy at all. For anyone to come into the NFL and do what he's doing, it's – bizarre and i'm tired of hearing i I know i said it but i'm tired of hearing about the miss he's a fucking nfl player he still got drafted i don't care if you're first or 31st or 831st you know you're a quarterback in the nfl and it shouldn't be a surprise to everybody that an nfl level talent guy is playing nfl level football I mean, whoa, shocker. <laughs> I, what, how do you feel about Brock Purdy right now, Corey? I know you got a rookie card you posted on eBay yesterday. You had any hits on it yet? Uh, just a couple of views, but no one's made a bid on it yet. But still waiting on it. But I think, uh, I mean, obviously he's got a tremendous team offensively and defensively. Even with Debo gone, uh, Christian McCaffrey, when they can run the ball, it's going to make him, you know, Purdy's going to play good. But, um, I, I mean, wouldn't you at this point? I mean, they talked about Garoppolo needed to be traded, but then they didn't want to trade him. And then wouldn't you think at this point, seeing that Purdy's playing good and whenever Lance comes back, uh, would they trade Garoppolo and get Garoppolo's else? probably gone. He only signed the one-year extension, right? So yeah. he was probably going to be gone anyways unless he took him to the Super Bowl. And I'll say it again. This defense, Matthew – is good enough to to win a Super Bowl without there's they don't have a lockdown corner they don't have that but Traverius Ward is playing like he's becoming a lockdown corner this this team is my question let me start by saying this Christian McCaffrey Corey is still him you said it oh yeah the dude is uh, twenty six carries, hundred and eight yards and a touchdown in this game right now he's averaging like six point four yards a carry yeah this um, dude's crazy. 
he's unbelievable. And one thing that I want to highlight here for people, maybe, uh, you know, a little bit of early fantasy advice here. You know, I, I, the San Francisco offense works in a different way with Brock Purdy. And he knows how to put the ball in the playmaker's hands, right? And that's why George Kittle has been shining right now. This game, four receptions for 93 yards and two touchdowns. When you've got a tight end that can block like George Kittle can and can go out and put up those stats, Brock Purdy doesn't have to be Tom Brady. Brock Purdy doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. All he has to do is rely on his playmakers. And it seems up to this point that he's smart enough to do that, Matthew. You know who this team reminds me of? 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not Brad Johnson. But look who he had around him, okay? Mike Allstott, Keyshawn Johnson, Keenan McCardell, Michael Pittman, and that's just on offense. Defense, he had Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, Brian Kelly, Rondé Barber, John Lynch, and Dexter Jackson. Tell me that that is not a mirror image of these San Francisco 49ers. Matthew, it reminds me of the 2005 Baltimore Ravens squad. The defense was so stifling, right? The defense is what carried this team to a championship, and they didn't have to have great quarterback play. And this offense is way more talented. The QB was Kyle Bowler for the 2005 Ravens. Okay, then I'm thinking. I'm thinking of another year. Then I'm thinking of the year. Uh, what year am I thinking of? The year of Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. Uh, let's see. 2002? No, 2002 was the Bucks. That was what I just okay. thought. Okay. okay, we'll find it. I was thinking, is it seven, six, four? <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. To say every it, it was one of those years in the 2000s. I mean, it's very, it's a very similar squad, right? They've got all pro talent on every position group on the defensive side of the ball, and honestly, they have all pro talent on every position group on the offensive side of the ball, except for quarterback. But Brock Purdy is doing all he needs to do. That's something I want to highlight too. Is you were talking about. Uh, He's doing all he needs to do. Like, not everyone needs to try to be Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's too many quarterbacks that try to do that that don't need to do that, and it, I feel like it causes problems. They just right. need to get their job done, yes. especially when you have a team like that. I agree. I agree. But on the other on the other side of the field, you got a, a Seattle team, Matthew, that I, I got Seattle playoffs, question mark? I, I mean – I don't really know right now. I've got a second question mark behind that question mark. And you know what the brightest point of that team is that we all did not see coming? Geno Smith. The dude, he's in the Pro Bowl. It came out today. Yeah, I mean. Fantastic for him. Super happy for the guy. Most improved player. Is, is, there, is there an award for most improved? I know there's comeback player. I think there's Honestly, he should get comeback. Yeah, I was say they yeah. considered a comeback. I mean, I think typically it's injuries, but I feel like for the, the case of Geno, we should just have the Geno Smith Award. Do you think Brian Robinson's going to win Comeback Player of the Year? Oh my goodness, that's a good candidate. He should be. It's very possible. Honestly, yeah. 
Yeah. No, but you, you talking about Geno Smith. This game, he was 31 of 44 for 238 yards and a touchdown. You know, they struggled a little bit to get the running game going. Tyler Lockett did get hurt. Um, looks like Marquise Goodwin's probably going to be stepping in and, into that number two role. So this is an offense that's kind of got a question mark on it right now. They're, they're banged up, you know. <sighs> it's not looking good for them going forward. The only thing that makes their life a lot easier is, you know. They had a hell of a draft class. They did. They did. And the rest of that division being so bad. Yeah. If they can keep it close here, I mean, there's a chance if San Francisco falls off, if Brock Purdy falls off. That's what scares me about their 500 record is that the rest of that division is so bad. It's almost like – and I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's almost like the Minnesota Vikings. Is that the greatest pretend team we've seen in a while? It's a good question. Uh, what do you think, Corey? About the Vikings? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Justin Jefferson's doing great things, but I, I just can't see Cousins making a playoff run like I just I don't think he'll ever do it. Well, while we're here, we might as well just go ahead and get into it. Um, poor Matt Ryan, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you were talking about greatest uh, championships, and you mentioned Matt Ryan taking taking the L. I was like, yeah. I was going to say Matt Ryan taking the L. This <laughs> he he is on the losing end of the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history and the biggest comeback in NFL history. Dude, there and was he two just more got stats. Benched. And he, just, he get benched? and he yep. got a thumb up his ass. Yep. <laughs> that's a, that's is that worse that, that than Mark Sanchez's a butt fumble? The butt fumble is my favorite play of all time. I honestly think the butt fumble may be the worst play of all time until I saw what happened and one of the games coming later. Um, but you know, this, this Colts and Vikings game, man, it was insane. The, the Colts come out absolutely swinging, firing on all cylinders. That defense is playing unbelievable, and they blow a 33 to nothing lead and lose the game 39 to 36. Is How, it, is it wow. possible that neither time was Matt Ryan's fault? Can we say that at this point? No. No. I, there's no chance. There's you, the 28 to 3. I was I was okay with it not being Matt Ryan's fault. You know, I mean, you can't say in the game of football it is such a team sport that it's collectively everyone's fault. But I think unfortunately now after this last comeback happened, I, I think, think it's, it's very fair to say the common denominator was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Well, you got to score points. It's not just it's you know your running back, but your receiver. Like he's the quarterback. You got to score points too. And if you're a Colts defense, you got to protect that lead. Oh yeah, you I have mean, yeah, to. It's just, it's also coaching. It is. It is. Uh, you know, and we talked a lot about. The, the controversy with the Jeff Saturday high and blah, blah, blah. We all know that. We're all tired of hearing about it. And, you know, it sucks that it's turning out that all these jackasses like Colin Coward and Joe Thomas and, uh, I mean, Bill Coward, sorry. Uh, all these guys are, are right, but, yeah. you know. They're not right. They're, they're just – they're getting to stick their own thumb up their own ass. Right, <laughs> exactly. For exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's just, you know, what 
look, Kirk Cousins, and I'm glad <laughs> Alex isn't here because he would have just looked at me with those fuck you eyes. Really? <laughs> 34 of 54, 460 yards and four touchdowns. But who else is he going to do that against? He's done it against a lot of people this year. You know, that was the greatest regular season comeback. You know, he, you know his, uh, his voice cracked again. The, this week, when did you hear his voice cracks? <laughs> so crazy's coming. It's like wild's coming. It's like when Peyton Manning drinks his Gatorade, or when Tom Brady stays oh, that little cup. Yeah, when Kirk Cousins' voice cracks, it's all. Hey, one eighteen said hot hot. What is? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's done it, but when it when he doesn't do it is when it matters. Though, is the thing. And it's yeah. against teams that it needs to be done against. You're right. You're the right. The voice crack doesn't come out. It's just normal <laughs> Kirk Cousins. It's just crazy to crack. watch a guy go from, you know, the whole thing about him not being able to win in prime time. It's crazy to watch a guy go from that to, to having these stats. But moving on, Dalvin Cook with a big game breaks open a, a, a big run at the end. Uh, to kind of set the game-winning uh, drive up. 17 carries, 95 yards. He also had four receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. So he was a, a baller on all aspect of, of the of the game. Uh, K.J. Osborne, 10 receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, 12 receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown. You know who was silent? T.J. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson was quiet. Adam Thielen has been quiet. Um, I honestly thought they were going to give a little more attention to Alexander Madison this year. And he's, he's God bless you. He's been super quiet. Uh, but I don't know. It was such a, it was such a crazy, crazy thing. And I just don't understand how it happens. I don't understand how that happens. Uh, I, I don't either. The only thing I can think of is coaching, and that is not me saying Jeff Saturday. Just like I said, it's all 11 players on the field collectively. It's collectively a coaching staff and a coaching unit as well. Let's go ahead and get that out there. It's not Jeff Saturday. I agree. I agree. It's it's about coming together as a team and, and being a, a, a – God bless you. I'm not editing this out. That's that's raw studio sneeze. People are going to get to hear it. Look, it's about coming together, right? And nobody comes together more than Bill's Mafia. So I would like to get into the first ever in-studio edition of All Things Buffalo with Matthew, Philip, Arondo, Arande, Alejandro, Alejandro, Disarono, Yu-Gi-Oh, Chapman. <laughs> God bless you. I'm sorry. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. First in-studio version of all things Buffalo. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode. I want to start this out by saying there is no greater scene in football than a snow game. I mean, come on. Some of the most memorable games in existence were snow games. We can all... LaShawn McCoy, I'm pretty sure he's been in two. And in both of his snow games, the Eagles and the Bills, he turned it on. You know who turned it on this game? Running game. 
But it wasn't Singletary. It was Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Josh Let's Allen. Do it, man. You know, we were treated to no different this past week in Miami versus Buffalo. We here at Foul Language were split, unhootable. A house divided. A house divided cannot stand, but Foul Language can. As we all know, I'm a diehard Buffalo fan, and then the two Stanley brothers are diehard Dolphins fans. I'm sorry. I love you all, but my gosh luck be the lady that night in buffalo i mean it was it was just meant to be i'm sorry but it was there's too much on that final drive that could have went one way and it went all towards buffalo it was like madden's x factor for those that play madden it was all the way over to buffalo there's nothing you can do about that josh allen said in an interview that there is no greater person that comes through in the clutch in the cold more than dawson knox and i quote he looks great in his little tank top. He's going to kill it in the game, end quote. And he did. He had one of the better games this year in the snow. I mean, Dawson Knox, the man came through, and so did Josh Allen. Four touchdowns. Four. In the cold. In the snow. In the heat of the moment. I'm proud to be a Buffalo fan, and I'm so happy that we are getting that spark, that fire I talk about every week. It just so happened to come through this week in the cold. This week's Buffalo Restaurant of the Week is going to be Hoff Brew House, located in downtown Buffalo on the waterfront at 190 Scott Street, Buffalo, New York, 14204. For those that haven't been, this is the most authentic brew house, German atmosphere, German food, German beer. I think I had a 64-ounce dunkle. It was fantastic. It was arguably the best dunkle I've ever had. Uh, Again, not sponsored in any way, just a fan. And that concludes this week's episode of All Things Buffalo. And I'm going to bring it right in on the tail of that because this game, like you said, Matthew, was very important to the foul language community here. Um, you know, my first question, you talk about luck luck be at the lady tonight and that lady fucked the Miami Dolphins six different ways on one drive how as a defense can Josh Boyer allow Josh Allen to fumble the ball three times on one drive and still allow them to score points I don't know I, I, <laughs> I mean I, I can't I can't give it any better than that I don't know it's weird you mentioned uh, something about Madden, too. Um, if you can remember Josh Allen and Madden 20, it's not this new one, but the one before it. He was prone to fumble if he uh, scrambled with him, which was weird if he got hit. Yeah, We just played Madden. That's all it was. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, all the things that happened in this game were – and I've said it so many times already. This was a weird weekend in football, and every game felt like, "Am I in the fucking twilight zone right now? What's <laughs> going on?" Like, here's the thing: if you take away that final drive from Buffalo, I'm going to say it. Miami won. I agree. I agree. And if if you know, I praise him a lot. But if Tyree Kill catches a couple balls, a touchdown. If Trent Sherfield catches it, this is a, this is a three score game. I'm Buffalo, sorry. But this this game or the past two games actually between Buffalo and Miami proved it. 
doesn't matter what team Tyree Kill is on, Buffalo can't stop Tyree Kill. Right. I'm pretty sure he averages right at, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right with this. He averages 110 yards every single game against Buffalo. I mean, we can't stop him, and I'll tell you exactly why. I'm pretty sure our fastest receiver is Tredavious White, who ran like a 4.5 at the combine. It might have been a 4.45, but I'm pretty sure Tyree Kill is like a 4.2, 4.18. Like, you're not going to keep up with that speed. And the way our scheme is built, we're built around the 3-4-4-3 with uh, Milano and Tremaine Edmonds in the center. We've got too many linebackers, and it's just a mismatch when you go up against someone like Tyreek Hill. I mean, you, you there's certain people, and we've talked about it before, and Tyreek is one of these people. You're not going to stop. You can just only hope to contain them. But that is Buffalo's weakness is they cannot contain speed receivers. Yeah, and uh, I, I, the Dolphins are still alive. Uh, they're oh, yeah. they're yeah. still in it. They still got a great shot, um, but they really got they they really need to win out. And they 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 don't have an easy way out. Uh, Green Bay, which it's in Miami, coming so on. That's that's huge. Christmas Day, big game coming up. Can't wait to watch that one. Then we've got the Jets and the Patriots. Um, it, it's not an easy way out. I'm sorry, but when these teams are playing good every other week, it seems like, you know, how do you know what week you're going to hit? So it, it just – Miami's still alive. I, I'm still hopeful. Oh, yeah. we got to yeah. fire Josh Boyer. We, the defensive scheme isn't working anymore. People have found out ways to beat my, Miami over the top. Miami's got to get a little more speed. Byron Jones is old and unhealthy. Uh, Xavier and Howard, I love X. He's a pro bowler, habitual pro bowler, but, you know, he's he's lost a step. Um, he, he's in the same boat as Stephon Gilmore. We have to change this defensive scheme, Matthew. He can't adjust. If, and if you can't adjust, you got to be replaced. Does Miami go cornerback with the first pick this year? They, they have to draft offensive line. With yeah. every single draft pick they have, there's no question about it. Maybe they can go pick somebody up. Um, maybe they want to bring in J.C. Jackson's drunk ass. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, but you know, this is a defense that's got to really step up, and they're not playing championship defense right now, and it scares me. Tua Tagovailoa is a fantastic quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of people questioning it. Oh well, no, I'm on your side. He still makes some mistakes. So does, does Josh Allen. So does Patrick Mahomes. Patrick yeah. Mahomes just went into overtime with the Texans. Yeah. Can so, you imagine if Tua went into overtime with the Texans? Oh, yeah. He would oh, be my buried. Gosh. Allen Cowherd would go crazy. He would be buried. He would be done for. It's, it's 17 to 30, 234 yards and two touchdowns. Like I said, it could have been four touchdowns, but we got to catch these balls. I mean, Trent Sherfield has been playing unbelievably, but – he dropped a touchdown on the first drive. I mean, Tua drove right down, the, right down the field, threw a beautiful ball, and it was just dropped. Like I said, there was several pads, but and I know I'm bouncing all over the place here, but Jalen Waddle's a dog, man. Like, I don't know how he didn't make the Pro Bowl. I don't either. It's it's an absolute shame, but you know. We've got so much talent. We have to be able to put it together. Mike McDaniel, I love you, Mike McDaniel, but you got to make better choices. You have to make better play calls. 
his situational awareness is uh, he's a first year coach. He's yeah. a young guy. I'm, he's going to improve. He will improve. He's the type of, he's got that mentality, that Nick Sirianni mentality where he will be great. He will be, but he's got to do it because we know how Stephen Ross is, right? Yeah. Stephen Ross has an itchy trigger finger and, you know, Another season not missing, you know, not making the playoffs. A couple seasons not making the playoffs. His his seat's getting hot, and it's hopefully Stephen Ross has has changed a little bit because this really feels for the first time as a Miami fan in my life, twenty six years, that I am extremely hopeful and proud to be a Dolphins fan. So, you know, Raheem Mostert in this game was the, the only, only bright spot that we had. And I'm rambling here. This is like an all things Miami, but Bobo my, Bobo's not here to back me up. Uh, so I got I got to fit it all in. Raheem Mostert was the brightest spot in our offense. Oh yeah, he was unbelievable. 17 carries for 136 yards. Um, Salvin Ahmed, uh, he scored the touchdowns in the backfield, which Jeff Wilson being out hurts. Jeff Wilson's a damn good running back. Yeah. So. We've got to continue our running game because that's why we were in this game with Buffalo is because we were able to run the ball so well. We have to keep that up. If we if 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 you're gonna make it in the postseason, you gotta have a running game and you gotta have a defense. I'll say it till the day that I die. And right now, Miami is kind of questionable on both of those. Right. So we'll see. Like it's I a, said, it's a building year. It's it's a first step and a step is. of many. It is, and it's crazy as hot as Miami started off to not be as excited, you know, as you want to be because, you know, just as a Dolphins fan, you're always expecting the disappointment, right? You're always expecting, but it doesn't feel like it's coming now. It feels like, yeah, we're probably going to make the playoffs. We probably won't go far. In the next three to five years, Miami should be playing for a Super Bowl, and there is no question about it. Well, you know, it's it's just like what I always say. It's about when the time that that spark and that fire gets going. And from that first snap in week one, that was the spark for Miami. Right. And it's it's not about the team that sparks at the beginning. It's about that team that just gets going right before the playoffs start. And that's why I'm saying the 49ers are that team this year. And I think there's no reason why Miami can't find that spark with these last few games of the year. Yeah, Buffalo did it. They were dead for a few weeks, but they're back now. But that's 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 a different conversation. But what I'm saying is with Mike McDaniel and with how young he is, if he can just improve the decision-making, which he can, he, he's a very analytics guy, and he'll be able to do it. And if he can find the right time to light the fire under Miami, they're a Super Bowl contender for years to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, Dolphins fans, be happy. Be optimistic because we are here, and we seem to be here for a long time, baby. So let's get pumped up about it. Let's go buy our Tyreek Hill jerseys. Let's go buy our Tua jerseys. Let's go paint our face, put our Ricky Williams dreads in our hair, and let's go support these fans. Fans up, baby. Let's talk about this AFC playoff picture for a minute, Corey. Right now, we have 
two teams that have clinched. The Buffalo Bills clinched a playoff berth with a win against Miami. The Chiefs have clinched their division. Those are your top two seeds right now. Uh, the way it's looking in the hunt, uh, Cincinnati's in third, Corey. So how are you feeling watching Joe Burrow bring him back to beat Tom Brady? you got to think that is a huge achievement for the guy. Oh, yeah. He um... – he just got ice in his veins. And this is like Matthew was talking, coming in hot at the right time. Uh, Cincinnati is finally catching that spark right at the right time. They started off slow in the, the beginning, but I think this is uh, – I think they can make them a little playoff run again. I, I do too. This is, this is a very good football team, Matthew. Uh, Cincinnati is very fun to watch. Um, it, it, you know, it seems like – you know how Tom Brady has had that thing his whole career where it's up to this point, it seems like, uh, where it's like uh, you talk about the 28 to three comeback. It's, it's like, yeah, they're losing, but it's Tom Brady, right? Oh yeah. Tom Brady is the greatest decision maker of all time. Joe Burrow is starting to get that about him. And it's like, yeah, Cincinnati seems like they're getting their asses kicked, but there's, two quarters there's a whole half left to play and it's joe burrow and you know what's crazy is now we can say that legitimately it's like yeah but that's joe burrow yeah yeah there's not many give me a quarterback who is more clutch in huge games than joe burrow has been since his lsu days he that's all he does is win big games and i'm sorry but cincinnati would have won that super bowl last year if joe burrow would have had one more second. Jamar Chase has Jalen Ramsey's little bitch ass on his face, fifteen <laughs> yards down the field, wide open. If if Joe Burrow had an off had this offensive yeah. line last year, Cincinnati Super Bowl champion. Aaron Donald won that Super Bowl without a doubt. Yeah, and yeah. it's not even close. He should. Cooper Cup got the Super Bowl MVP, right? Yes, it should have been Aaron Donald. I agree. The thing about Joe Burrow is he stays calm. He doesn't panic. He, he, you know, everybody eventually is going to make a bad play or overthink a play and make a mistake. But as far as Joe Barrow, he cuts that down. I feel like he keeps his, uh, his wits, you know. Absolutely. That's what I was saying. He's the greatest decision maker since Tom Brady. Right. I can't yeah. say that about Josh Allen. Josh Allen is not the greatest decision maker. He's got such a strong arm and he's willing to be coachable and he just has certain intangibles. He's a tough feel. motherfucker. He is a Buffalo. He's a defensive end playing quarterback. Almost he is. At this point. And it's, you know, Mahomes – he's a better decision maker than Josh Allen and he does have certain intangibles, but he still, he still has those throws every now and then where you're like, what? Can, we can't say that about Joe Burrow. No, you, you can't. I mean, up to this point, and you know that I was not a Joe Burrow believer coming out of college. I can't, I couldn't say that it wasn't an incre- the best season a college quarterback's ever had. I can't say that that wasn't one of the best college football teams I've ever seen because it was. That's what made me doubtful about Joe Burrow was all the talent that he had around him. And what he has done in Cincinnati, 
Now, yeah, he has Jamar Chase. He has T. Higgins, who is a, is a wide receiver one playing a wide receiver two position. He's got Hayden Hurst has been unbelievable. Joe Mixon had the game where he had five touchdowns. He's got the talent around him. But what Joe Burrow does so well is what I just – he wins games. He's a winner. It doesn't have to be pretty. Most of the time it's not pretty. Corey, you know that better than anybody. Most of the time it's not. But Joe Burrow wins football games. He's, you know who I know we talk about, there's a lot of comparisons between Joe Shiesty and Joe Montana. Joe Montana didn't have the strongest arm in the world. Joe Montana's a winner. Just yep. like Joe Burrow, it's no different. He is a winner. Yep. That is what he does. It, 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 he's not going to bomb you for 65, 70 yards. He can do it if he wants to, but he's not going to do that all the time like Josh Allen and Mahomes does. And we watch those people just because of the pure God-given arm talent they have, and we're just like, wow. But people people need to start recognizing Joe Burrow's a winner. He is, absolutely. And his swag, you know, it, they talk about it. It's been talked about forever since he's been, you know, in the league, but he's just the coolest guy. I I would love to hang out with Joe Burrow, smoke one of those cigars, you know, kick back. He says he doesn't go out, so maybe he could take me shopping, buy me some of those <laughs> nice clothes. We'd go back, play some Madden, watch some film. I'll just hang out with the guy. You can get him on the podcast. Yeah, Joe, hit us up, brother. Uh, yeah, so I want a, I want a zebra print shirt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I want some of those Cartier shades. You know? <laughs> no, getting back into the AFC playoff picture here, you've got the Titans wrapping up your division's projected division winners. Jacksonville might have something to say about that, possibly. I mean, I, I don't. Where's Jack? What's Jacksonville's record right now? I, they're. I think they're six five, and eight. Six yeah, and eight. Six wins. Six yeah, they wins, went up to six so. after this week. You know, Tennessee is kind of falling a little bit, it seems like. Tannehill's playing with two sprained ankles. Six and eight. Six and eight. So, you know, if if Tennessee starts to fall off a little bit here, Trevor Lawrence, man, Trevor Lawrence is finally becoming Trevor Lawrence. Well, here's the thing. That division's wide open because Tennessee is – they're one game ahead. They're seven and seven. If Tennessee loses this weekend and the Jags win – this this division's wide open. Can Trevor Lawrence take the Jacksonville Jaguars, the absolute ugh, that was last year, and to the playoffs? And I will say this, and I've said this from day one, Doug Peterson is a fantastic head coach. That was one of the stupidest fires I can think of within recent years by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, it ended up working out with Nick Sirianni. We can all agree with that. But they, they literally went from – a B-plus head coach to an A. That doesn't happen that often. You don't fire your Super Bowl-winning coach. Right. And what's so great about Doug Peterson is he's a quarterback genius. And when you have a prospect like Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick in the draft, being coached by a guy who is a quarterback genius, great things are going to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, and a perfect example that Nick Foles is a he he has his spurts in the NFL. He had such a spurt with 
Doug Peterson that he was Super Bowl MVP the year he considered retiring from the NFL. Right. I mean, that speaks for itself. Doug Peterson, and I've also heard he is a player's coach. Like, everywhere he goes, the players just genuinely like him. Right. doesn't matter where he's in Jacksonville. He was also a high school uh, coach. Not a lot of people know that. Before he was a coach with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, he was a coach in high school. Now it was Texas, which is a very, which well, that explains that. But right. it's going to be interesting to watch that AFC South because it's down to two teams, right? It's down to Jacksonville and it's down to Tennessee. So that race is going to be fun to watch. At five, they've got Baltimore coming in at a wild card. They've got the Chargers coming in at a wild card at the sixth seed and the Dolphins and the seventh seed as a wild card. So that race is going to be fun to watch. You know, Jacksonville is definitely a team to watch there. Um, you know, that's you can't really say too many other teams right now are looking like, I mean, New England, man, they – they, I think the dynasty died this weekend. I think it officially came to. I think an it end. died with that backwards pass. That yeah. was <laughs> that was the ending of the Patriots. When dynasty. have you when have you ever seen something like that from a Bill Belichick team? I, it's uh, never I was happened. About to say Water Boy. <laughs> water boy. <laughs> yeah, but Bobby Boucher was out there. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never seen something like that from a Bill Belichick team, and. I think the dynasty's dead. You know what I think it was? You know, Bill Belichick kind of has total control of who he brings in, what he brings in, and how he brings them in. It's not it's not a Jerry Jones situation of, no, you can't bring this in. We're going to bring this guy in. You know, Belichick has total control. And here's where I think it went wrong. I'm a Cam Newton fan. Okay, I'll go ahead and say that. However, when Cam was with the Patriots – I think Belichick saw a guy that had such God-given, raw, natural talent that all he needed was a second chance. What Bill did was he tailored an offense to Cam Newton through bad contract extensions through players that are no longer relevant in this new scheme with Mac Jones. I think that is precisely what happened. And the perfect example of that is... When you had Cam Newton, you had that power O, give it to the quarterback, quarterback blast. What do you do with that? You bring in two skilled tight ends, sign them to big contracts that take up salary cap. I don't even think they use Johnu Smith anymore. I haven't they seen him on the field. But Johnu Smith is a fine talent to have on your team, and I don't even think they use him. They spent all of their salary cap on tight ends, power run, offensive lineman not pass protecting offensive lineman and matthew judon which was a perfect signing that's doesn't matter what you do that's dog yeah but i think that's the situation now is their offense is not tailored towards mac jones and i gotta put that on Check and patricia i put it more on matt patricia personally i think the dude is a disease um that these teams need to figure out that they need to rid themselves of uh, because he's not been successful anywhere he's been. Um, uh, regardless of uh, whose fault it is, uh, and regardless of what Belichick has done for so long, uh, I just want to bring up that about two episodes ago, I did mention this, about the New England dynasty is dead. 
Yeah, I I agree. It's just it's mind blowing. Everybody's seen it now, so everybody knows what we're talking about by now. It's just mind blowing to see. Like I said earlier, probably the worst single play I've ever seen in an NFL game. Yeah. Just go it's down, bad. Ramondre Stevenson. Just go down. Why not nail the ball, Mac Jones? Well, you know, there's so many things that it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this. And the next guy will just finish it. Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to give it to the next guy. He'll he'll just go down. Nope. I'm going to make – oh, th- there, there he goes. We lost. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't and, understand. And Bill Belichick's soul lifted Belichick, through the stadium. You know, imagine, <laughs> imagine being in that locker room after that game, guys. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm just. I'm, I'm not so mad. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's a crazy. It's, it's crazy. You know, a couple more games to talk about here. We'll skim through them and then uh, we'll take a little break and we'll get to our picks. This is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. Uh, Alex not being here. The holidays coming up. I've started a new job. Corey is still getting reamed at my old job. Um, Matthew <laughs> is in town, so we're here to party. So let's get into these last couple games here, guys. Eagles versus the Bears was a damn good game, Matthew. And you know what it was? Justin Fields is here. Yeah. They 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 figured it out. Uh Dude, shout out to so the Bills. Fast. Oh my gosh. And he's huge. He's literally he's a massive. faster version of Josh Allen. Yeah. I don't yeah. think his arm is quite as strong as Josh he, Allen. He's not as thick as Josh no, Allen he, is. He's not, but he's more agile. Yeah. Yeah, double cheeked up on Tuesday. He's a he's he's a beggar Lamar. That's yeah. what he is. I, I I said this a few episodes ago, but I think you can put Justin Fields and Lamar in the same category. It it's I'm personally not ready to Alex go there yet. Crazy, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm saying it. Too. I'm personally not ready to go there yet, but he's on the rise. He's one of three quarterbacks to ever have a thousand yards rushing in a season. That's special. He's in that class with Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. We've still got three games to go. We've still got three games to go. Yeah. I'm I'm considering starting him in the championship this year. Shout out me, by the way, making it to the fantasy <laughs> football championship. Hey. Corey, hey. congratulations to you as well. I am going to have to beat your ass, and I apologize. Oh, but see. we'll see. We'll gather back to that later. Um, it's going to be heated. It's going to be. It's going to be a heated couple of weeks. It's going to be intense. Speaking of the Eagles, I'm glad Dallas Goddard's back just in time to make my playoff uh, victory speech here. Um, <laughs> let's talk <sorry>. about. <laughs> let's talk about Gardner Minshew. I hope the absolute best for that man in this coming game. And you know what? I think he's going to kill it. And you know why? He's going to do it for Mike Leach. He's not, and I'll tell you why. Because Jalen Hurts said today that he's playing. Did he really? Which I think is a mistake. That's mm. yeah, tough. You look, you look at the NFC playoff picture right here. Philadelphia is clinched, right? So he's. Why do you play Jalen Hurts then? Because the Cowboys are ten and three. I don't. I don't play Jalen Hurts in this situation. Yeah, you can't. That's that's ignorant. That's your <laughs> Super Bowl on the line right now. You look, Philadelphia is the number one seed right now in the NFC at 13-3. and three. They're, they're clinched. The Vikings have clinched their division. The 49ers have clinched their division. The Cowboys have clinched a playoff berth. You've got Tampa, the Giants, 
and the Washington Commanders all in the hunt. So you've got the entire NFC East in the playoffs right now. That's why Jalen Hurts is playing. I don't agree with it. You know I don't agree with it. I didn't agree with Josh Allen playing earlier in the year. I don't agree with it, but the dude knows what he – he knows that – and I don't want to say Gardner Minshew couldn't come out and win a game because we've seen him do it last year, but – Jalen Hurts knows what he is to this football team, and he knows that this football team can be exposed without him. And at this point in the season, yeah, if if Dallas was a, a seven-win team, if, if the Giants were bad again, if the Commanders were not good again, yeah, you probably would say there's no reason at all for Jalen Hurts to be playing. But as tight as this playoff race is in the NFC and the NFC East specifically – I think that's all that goes into his thought process in this. I mean, he's a he's a contender, right? He is a competitor. You watch him in any post-game interview, seems like a fine upstanding man. He's a competitive guy. That's what he's gonna do. I just if you're if you're Nick Sirianni here, I think you have a conversation with him at least, and they probably did behind the scenes about what does this game here mean versus to what does the rest of the season, the playoffs and the Super Bowl mean to you. Right. And you- You think, how long was he going to be missing, you know, with this injury? Is he going to be back at the beginning of the playoffs? You know, is he going to be back in a week? You know, there's so much that goes into it. And I really feel like at this point, already clinching a playoff berth, it's, it's such a touchy subject. You know, it's the same conversation we had earlier in the season with the Josh Allen situation. But to get back to this Eagles and, and Bears game, talking about Jalen Hurts, the dude was great. He did throw the two interceptions. He was 22 of 37 for 315 yards. He had 17 carries, 61 more yards on the ground, and three touchdowns. Uh, Alex had him. I played him in the, you know, in the divisional round in the playoffs this past week. And – I'm sitting there watching Red Zone, and I'm watching the sleeper app, and Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown. Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown. Jalen Hurts, what the fuck is going on? 36 points, and it's just starting the third quarter? What the fuck? I, like, I thought I was dead. So, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, that connection, is is it the best in the NFL? I think connection-wise, there's a good argument to be made there. I think, honestly, A.J. Brown might be the second coming of Megatron. He's you can't tell me he's not. He's now, I'm not. I'm not. Megatron was in a league of his own, but I'm saying if you just watch the physicality of AJ Brown, yeah. it's Megatron. And you know, you got to give Alex his props that he was he preaching AJ Brown over DK Metcalf when they were coming out of Old Miss. So the dude is a dog. But let's get back to Justin Fields for a minute. 14 to 21, 152 yards, two touchdowns. He had another 92 yards on the ground. We've said it and said it and said it and said it. The dude's here. Chicago is up and coming. Chicago, if they put a team around this guy, he he can do some special stuff. Absolutely, and I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a three-headed monster, essentially, between him, David Montgomery, and unfortunately Khalil Herbert was put on IR. But up until he was on IR, the dude was having a heck of a year, too. If they can establish that Chicago run game, okay, If they can bring in some offensive line, which, by the way, their cap situation, they have as much money to spend next season as they want. It's just does the owner want to spend it? It's over $100 right? 
it's over i think it's over 120 million it's insane yeah they have they have all the power Corey, to go out and you know if there's going to be any big and you know it kind of goes into the when you're building the team how much do you put into you know free agency at what time do you do it but this is the time, Corey, right? You've got over $120 million in in cap space to go basically do whatever you want with. You've got to put a team around Justin Fields. You've got to put some offensive linemen in front. Yeah, he needs offensive linemen. He needs some weapons on the outside, too. They've got an early draft pick, right? Don't they have – Well, they, they will for sure. They're only a three-win well, team right now, so they'll well, be a top-five pick. They didn't, didn't they acquire a pick though, or am I, am I wrong? They traded away a pick in the Chase Claypool okay. oh, trade. Matthew, okay. your eyes are getting big over there. Are you seeing something wild? They have 140 million. Oh my spend. God. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. Is that's there unreal. anyone that, that's going to be a free agent, like confirmed uh, that would fit? Uh, Derek Henry. Derrick Henry is. Oh, Can you imagine Derrick Henry so? in a Chicago Bears uniform? He, it fits him. It fits oh, him yeah. to a T, but the only thing is they don't have any linemen to help him. Yeah, that's uh, – they're, they're, they are where Miami was five years ago. Yeah, They have talent in certain spots. They're way better at quarterback than Miami was five years ago. We had a fucking wide receiver at quarterback five Did years ago. Did you know ago. that Ryan Tannehill <laughs> I heard it? Yeah. He's glad to get that in in the studio for the first time. <laughs> Feels good. That was my inauguration to the studio. Can we get some Ryan Tannehill wide receiver stats? <laughs> we need to get some of that going. But, no, moving on from that game, you know, you, you can't say enough about what Justin Fields is doing right now. So, we got to give him his, his props for sure. But a team that I want to talk about, Matthew, up there in the Motor City, Jared Goff at the helm, Jamal Williams scoring 938 touchdowns this year. <laughs> What's going on? Is are, are the Lions back, baby? I'll give you two words. Dan Campbell. That dude – he can light a fire under you. I'm sitting here just thinking about his after-game speech. We're going to go out here, we're going to fucking kick the shit out of the Jets, then we're going to go listen to some fucking Metallica, man. <laughs> ice cream for everybody. But no, I, I, that dude is the greatest new hire, like as a, as a, like a first, well, second season. Can you think of a bigger turnaround in two years? And an organization that has... The last time that they did anything good, I think Ford had just made the very first automobile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you look at this team, right, and you think, man, they are a couple, like, superstars away from being – like, imagine if this team had Matthew Stafford on it. Sorry, Lions fans. Um, this, <laughs> this team would be unbelievable if if you and Jared Goff is playing out of his mind. Right now. He, we're talking about a guy that beat Patrick Mahomes in that 2017 game where it was like 49 to 42. Yes, that was one of the best forget, football games I've ever watched. Too. People forget that Jared Goff won that game and he had better stats than Patrick. Mahomes. He threw for over 500 yards and six touchdowns, right? Or was yeah. it Jared five Goff? Touchdowns? He like he flies under the radar until 
he needs to get like even if he has a good game he's still under the radar well i think it was more or less you know he played very very well for a couple seasons and then he got paid a hundred million dollars and was like fuck it I, do i really gotta play football anymore turn <laughs> into marcus russell here. yeah yeah he, he's 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 playing very very well um He's doing a fine job. I mean, honestly and truly, he is in the top half of the quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And, you know, this defense since about week eight-ish. They've turned it on. They've been unreal. They've been a the, very the defense, the defense was the lackluster part of this team, honestly. That, they don't. They do not have a superstar other than Amonra, and that's, that's it. Like, you put your CB1 on Amonra, and it kind of shuts down your passing game. But, dude, if they can go in the draft, and they have Jameson Williams back now, mm-hmm. if you can get a wide receiver three in the draft this year, that's a scary team. Yeah, yeah. I mean – they they still need some help on the offensive line. Penny Sewell is a dog. He's unbelievable. Um, He's bizarre. Yeah, they they uh, need some help at tight end now. So, you know, James Mitchell, local boy. Let's yeah, do it, man. He, you know, he got a little bit of spotlight. He did. I'm super proud of the guy. I've been watching that guy since high school. I, it's, that it's is awesome. that is one guy I want him to come on this show. I do too. We need to really reach out to him. Um, it would be amazing. Um, but getting back to this game, if you recall a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the Zach Wilson situation. And what did I say? Give it three games. Mike White will either fuck up or get hurt. And Zach Wilson will be your starter again. And here we are. He's back throwing touchdowns, throwing 317 yards, acting they, like he's got a big cock. They just need to keep alternating their quarterbacks because it seems like when Zach Wilson <laughs> gets hurt, he, he goes out, Mike White comes in. Oh, when's it going to be steps Flacco's time again? That's what okay. I want to know. Give the old man a chance. Let him come in and win another Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, he can win one third stringer. He'll be all right. He's, his time has came and gone. Yeah, you know, this. We, we talked about this Jets team a lot this year, which is unprecedented because they usually are terrible. So they started off hot. They sunk, just like Miami did, right? They sunk, started off hot, came back up. And it seems like, you know, they still have an opportunity with with New England, kind of, you know, screwing themselves here. There's still a chance that if the Jets beat Miami, God forbid, that the Jets could still make the playoffs. You know what's interesting? Quite hypothetically, we could have a division on both the AFC and the NFC where every team in that division is in the playoffs. Yeah. That's insane. I don't. I someone that checked ever, that for me. I don't think that's ever happened. I was gonna say I don't know if that's ever happened. And if it has, it's been a long time. Let's move on here and grab this last game real quick. Um, and then I got a couple highlights to go over some weird things. But you know, this Chiefs and Texans game was the absolute definition of a trap game. <laughs> I don't understand, you know, did the Chiefs think they could just take a game off in the NFL? I mean, in my opinion, coming into this week, the Chiefs were the best team in football. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP frontrunner, in my opinion. Um, 
Josh Allen, you can make an argument there. Joe Burrow, you can make an argument there. Um, but Mahomes is is my MVP front runner. But how how does how do the Chiefs let this game go into overtime? I don't know. Honestly, well, the Texans <laughs> the Texans played a good game last week. Not the not the Chiefs, but the week before. Well, it's weird because you, you look at this Texans team, and I told y'all this when they played Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. You know, this Texans team has some some flashes of excellence sometimes. Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce, and like I said, you know he's been unhealthy, so they yeah. haven't had that running game. So it, he was back in this one. He was back, you know, on the ground. No, he did not play in this game. No, he, he was, was on IR. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, how did how did they let this go into overtime? You know, Patrick Mahomes still had a great game: thirty-six of forty-one, three hundred thirty-six yards, two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey done Travis Kelsey things: ten receptions for one hundred and five yards, but. This was the definition of a trap game, Corey. Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no comment. I just know. I we can make a comment. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know which what direction to go in at this with this game or with the Texans. But, I mean, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs regardless. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. But I, I don't even know what to talk about the Texans. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think any of us can. Like, we can't even come up with something to say other than how. Welcome to Houston, Bryce Young. That's what I got to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> Davis Mills. I mean, Davis Mills. Done. He's done. Yeah. Um, if you if you own his rookie card, like do something with it. I'm yeah. Not trying to start, not trying start to be your... the Elon Musk of the the Twitter to the stock market and the card world. But I mean, you, you could just now. you could start your uh, fireplace up with it. I mean, yeah, yeah. There you go. Now you know we've we've talked about the ending to the the Vegas and Patriots game. Like I said, one of the craziest endings to a game I've ever seen. But what baffled me even more, Matthew, and the one we'll talk about the most because it's the one that got the most attention, but if you watch seven hours of commercial-free football on the NFL Red Zone by NFL Network, you've seen a lot of these happen this week. The no-call Pass interference at the end of the Giants and Commanders game. Not only that, but the the call preceding the, it, the situation with Terry McLaurin, where he lines up, asks the ref, "Am I two good? times?" The ref says, "Move up a little bit." He moves up, says, "You're good." Calls a fly. How? What? I, well, what? you know, they had the uh, the rules analyst come in after that. I cannot remember his name. John Garofolo, Mike Garofolo. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Dan Dan Garzano, I think that's it's, it. It's one of it's it's one of those Italian. Days. They had him come in, and he said <laughs> the way that the the rule reads is as long as the receiver is in the general area when he needs to be on the line, like as long as he's within a yard of it, essentially is the the way that that you're supposed to read that rule. He's fine. If you go back and watch the tape, one, he asked the ref if he was okay, and the ref told him to move up. Two, the ref said he was okay. Three, after all of that, he was within a yard of needing to be on the ball. Yeah. That was a horrible call. Hey, that ref's about to miss a parlay. Yeah. yeah. Do we have any other explanation at this point? I don't know. And what – 
let's let's get into this no call on the pass interference. That is the definition. You open up a football dictionary to the P's, pass interference. It's got the picture of what happened to Curtis. <laughs> He's got one hand on the back of his jersey and the other hand wrapped around. That is textbook pass interference. A child goes on Wikipedia and they look up pass interference. You're going to see a picture of Xavier yes. McKinney. Yes. <laughs> Holding on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, no, the, the, the thing with Tyreek Hill in the Buffalo game, you've seen it. That oh, yeah. was a no call. Yeah. Ty, he had Tyreek Hill's jersey pulled out. You know, I guarantee you what happened this past week is the refs in the NFL and the NFLPA probably had a meeting and they said, guys, this week we're going to take it easy on pass interference when it gets close to the playoffs. And the rest are like, okay, well, we don't have to call pass interference. <laughs> we're <anymore."> not calling <laughs> shit. Dude, this is like the uh, whenever the, the refs went on strike and fucking Green Bay <laughs> won that game with the <laughs> hey, touchdown Sonics. No, it, it, it's just it's crazy to see there's no consistency in, in calling these games. And I haven't seen a a refing squad, whatever you want to call it, their team, their group, that has called a great game all season. I haven't seen it. We, uh, The NFL has to do something about the refing situation. I'm tired of refs being the reason games are won and lost. I haven't seen a good ref since Ed Hockley. That was the last great NFL ref, if you think about it. And he was on the sideline benching like 650. Yeah, when he's not running up and down the field making the greatest calls known to man, he's benching 650 on the sideline. You know, <laughs> they say that he had to actually take like a rope uh, before the games and tie his dick to his leg because it was like 38 <laughs> inches long. Wow. I think that was a third dick joke this episode. <laughs> I got a tally going. In all seriousness, though, in getting back to there needs to be some standard, uniform way of interpreting these rules in the NFL. There has to be some consistency. There has to be some consistency. There's So uh, speaking from my job, which is how you interpret rules and code and law, which Ed Hockley, not a lot of people know. He was also he was a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. And which is why I also admire him. I like him. You should and, get into rapping. I should so be the next Ed Hockley. We'll all hate you. Just so okay. you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the one that starts the consistency in the NFL. Yeah. But what, what I'm saying is I understand that there's different ways that you can interpret rule law, code, whatever you want to call it in this situation, NFL rules. I understand that. But I also understand that at the same time, you can also take variations of that interpretation and make it your standard uniform variation. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like if you can interpret a pass interference, for example, to be either situation A when it happens, situation B, situation C, the NFL should just come out and say, nope, it's only situation B from now on. And I think no one would argue with that. I think that's a good way to start something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't argue one bit. We got to have some consistency with this reffing for sure. But we're going to get to a tiny little break here and we're going to come back and we're going to go over our picks. And I think we're going to get on out of here. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And it is time for our last segment. We thank you for sticking around. We're going to get into our foul language weekly pick them here. Closing in on the end of the season, the way it stands right now, as long as we've been keeping up with this, Corey, you are currently in the lead at 13 and four. Yours truly is second, second place, 11 and six. And Matthew, you and Bobo are tied nine and eight. So we got a lot of ground to make up here, uh, Matthew. So let's just kick right into it. And we're going to start off with the Thursday night game coming tomorrow night. Jacksonville at the Jets. I've got Jacksonville winning this one. And I I know that the Jets are kind of coming on. I'm not exactly sure how healthy the quarterback situation is. Uh I've got Jacksonville 35-21. Yeah, it's close for me. Um, I think Jacksonville is playing really well, but I've got the Jets figuring it out. I just think that defense is just yeah, – I, I think they can get it done against uh, Jacksonville. So I got the Jets. I I took Jacksonville in this game. I'm a Trevor Lawrence believer. I love everything he's doing right now. I, I've got Jacksonville taking the win at this one. Honestly, kind of a blowout fashion, 35-17. So, once again, we're not going to hit all of these games. We're just going to pick a select few of the games that we think are the biggest of the week. And we're also going to hit all of our games, of course. So, that takes us right into Saturday, December 24. 4th, 2022, Buffalo travels up to Chicago to take on Justin Fields and the Bears, Matthew. Well, here's the thing. You know, Buffalo lives, they thrive in the cold. Chicago is warm. That is Miami compared to Buffalo. Buffalo is going to go in. Justin Fields is going to struggle. It's going to be 42 to 17, Buffalo. Okay. Yeah, it's, um I don't think uh, Chicago has an answer as simple as that for me. Uh, I got bills on this one. I don't have a score, but I don't think it's as big as a blowout, but I still got the bills on this one. Justin Fields is going to run on this defense a whole, whole lot, but Buffalo will be victorious. Chicago can't score with Buffalo. Justin Fields' stat line is going to be absolutely insane in this game. That's why I'm starting him fantasy-wise. But Buffalo does take the win. Moving on to Seattle traveling to Arrowhead, uh, playoff implications on both sides of the ball here. Even though Kansas City has clinched, Matthew, who are you taking in this matchup? I've got Seattle. Wow. Whoa. Taking Seattle. Why? If there is one thing that Pete Carroll can do, it's adjustments. Kansas City is coming off of a absolute slump. Does that not scare you, though? Yes. If it scares me for the playoffs, and here's what I honestly think is going to happen. Kansas City is going to slump one more time against Seattle, and then it's on from here. And I think I've, I've got Seattle 28, Kansas City 21. You're still not going to slow down the Kansas City offense, but I think their defense is going to – that's going to be the slump here. Kansas City is going to fall farther down into the hole, and then it's on from here for Kansas City. I think uh... – I've got the Chiefs in this one against Seattle, but I think this is going to be more of a shootout. Uh, I think Geno Smith plays well, and I think uh, they really kick in. This is going to be a second-half game, but I've got the Chiefs in this. 
I am also taking Kansas City in this game. Um, without Tyler Lockett, you know, he's not a superstar, but he's a huge part of that offense. And Geno Smith is going to be missing that connection because DK Metcalf is going to be blanketed the whole game. So I do see Seattle struggling a little bit in this game. So I am taking Kansas City at home in this one. Corey's Bengals traveling up the road to Massachusetts to take on Bill Belichick's Patriots after an embarrassing loss, Matthew. Yeah, the Patriots are just going to keep giving the ball away in this one. It's going to be the Bengals 35, Patriots 14. Yeah, um, we talked about Bill Belichick's soul left the stadium whenever that last play happened this previous Sunday. Uh, Joe Burrow buries him. Buries him. Joe Bur- Joe Burrow buries Bill Belich. God damn, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> no, that's a tough one. Dang, that's a tough one. <laughs> the Bengals with the win. But yeah, I agree. Cincinnati takes the win in this one in blowout fashion. 35-10 Cincinnati wins this one. Biggest game of the week, uh, probably huge matchup. Philadelphia traveling down to Jerry's world to take on the Cowboys. I've got Philly winning this one, but it's not going to be pretty. I've got this one, surprisingly, it's going to be a pretty low-scoring affair. I've got Philly 14, Dallas 10. You know what I got on this? I'm a Dak hater. I'm a Zeke hater, but I got Dallas winning this one. I think that just, I think this might be their game. Got Dallas winning it. You know, I'm always quick to join in on the Cowboys hate, but I also am taking Dallas in this game, and I'll tell you why. Jalen Hurts is hurt. He said he's going to play, but Jalen Hurts is hurt. This is a good defense. Um, the Cowboys coming off of a tough loss. I mean, an embarrassing loss for this team. But Dallas Dallas wins this game at home. Um, and, you know, they've already clinched playoffs. Philadelphia has already clinched the playoffs. This is just going to be an all-around fantastic football game to watch. Moving on to Sunday, December 25th. Ho, ho, ho. Santa comes to town. Aaron Rodgers goes to Miami. I've got Miami winning this one. That offense is going to destroy that subpar Packers defense, 38-24. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think the Packers are going to be able to hang with them at all. I've got Miami winning this one. I also am taking Miami in this game. Um, yeah, that secondary is going to get torched. Two is going to be pissed. Um, Miami is going to win this one. For sure, I'm guaranteeing a win. My first guarantee here on the podcast. Uh, And last game of the week doesn't really seem like one we should talk about, but I got a feeling primetime Nick Foles at home, Justin Herbert coming to town, Chargers and Indianapolis. Chargers at Indianapolis, Matthew. I've got the Chargers in this one, and I'll tell you why. I think that... Nick Foles is a fine quarterback. He is, but there's too much talent on that offense when everyone is healthy for Nick Foles to come into this system in his first game and be able to do anything. Nick Foles is a fine quarterback, but he's not going to be able to keep it up in this game. Chargers 35-17. Yeah, I don't think uh, – the Chargers need to keep winning. Uh, I think Justin Herbert is going to play fairly – probably the best game he's going to have this season, in my opinion. Uh got the Chargers winning this one. 
I also have the Chargers taking this one. Um, but I would like to throw it out there that uh, even though he is not in studio, I do have all of Alex's picks, and he took Indianapolis in this game. Whoa! Um, and I asked him why, and he said something along the lines of because uh, I've lost my fucking mind or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what it was, <laughs> but he did take Indianapolis in this game, which I think is very interesting. Uh, I, I do have the Chargers winning this one. I believe the Chargers are going to make a late playoff push here, and Brandon Staley better hope that they do because I got a feeling his job is on the line. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is Alex crazy, or is he so sane that he just blew your mind? And with that Seinfeld quote, we are signing off. Thank you so much for listening to the Foul Language Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on all of our social medias. You can find everything you need to know about Foul Language on the Foul Language Facebook page. Just check us out there at Foul Language. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, don't forget to rate us. Don't forget to uh, answer some of the questions there on the Spotify channel, you see. Uh, thank you all so much. And we will be back Monday, the 26th, the day after Christmas, for another episode of the Foul Language Podcast. Thank you all so much. Peace.